The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the second chapter. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard of this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel." Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising. And it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, They left for their own country by another road. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord You may be seated. It was long before the days of global positioning systems, or GPS. There weren't cell phones or any digital devices connecting points on a map. One simply had to know landmarks and experimentally or experientially find a destination. I think they call it dead reckoning or determining one's location by familiar landmarks or marks in the sky. I'm not talking about biblical times. I'm talking about the beginning of my parish life. I was a pastor in rural Midwest in Wisconsin in the 1970s. I was brand new in a two-point parish. We had a congregation in town and then a little country church. There was an expectation culturally, in fact so strong was that expectation that the pastor would visit in every house at least every year. It was written into the contractual letter of call. Those visits took place in rural areas. I need not tell you, there were no road signs. Some were barely paved roads, some gravel. No markings on the houses. It was dead reckoning, and I was dead in the water. I had no idea how to get to most of these places. How do you get to a place that's marked somehow on a note that says, near the mill pond at the intersection of County Trunk Y and Double M? I was dead in the water. My first foray into 
rural Portage County, before I was even called as a pastor, I wanted to go see the little country church. So I stopped in at the Sinclair Station. <laughs> Those of you who remember Sinclair Stations. And a Norwegian guy, they're all Norwegian guys there, <laughs> with a leathery brown face came out and helped me, and I said, I need to get to the New Hope Church. Can you direct me? And in the best Norwegian brogue of rural Midwestern Wisconsin, he said, yeah, sure. You know how to get to Herb Anderson's place then? <laughs> no, I didn't. Shook his head. Well, perhaps you know then. You go by Einar Larsen's house, yeah. Do you know where Einar lives? Uh, no. In near despair, he said, well, you just go to double M and you take a left down T. Uh, I don't know where that is either. Threw up his hands, his leathery brown hands, and he said, well, you got to know something to get to New Hope Church. I was amused by that, and they were not amused <laughs> by that. I didn't know anything about how to get there. I'd never been there before. I had no direction whatsoever. Beginning of my pastoral career, I didn't know my destination. I really didn't know where I was going. It was written into my letter of call. I'd have to visit all these people. I couldn't even find their church. I knew that New Hope Church was located in Amherst Junction, Wisconsin. Amherst Junction was, I could find that on the map. So I went to Amherst Junction, and with the help of some local people and dignitaries in the town hall and a very charitable postal carrier, I followed the postal carrier, and he drove me to the New Hope Church. I determined in retrospect that my reckoning, my reckoning was nine miles off. Had I taken a proper direct route, I would eventually learn, it would have been about three and a half to four miles. I was nine miles off and late. Finding one's way is an illustrative and, I think, immensely profound experience in life, whether physical or spiritual. Learning to find one's way is, is changing dramatically in today's world. It's changing dramatically physically. I use GPS all the time. I ride in somebody else's car and my GPS is going, just to be sure we get where we're supposed to be. Visiting people, nursing homes, hospitals, places of recovery, I gotta have my GPS. It's made me kind of dependent. I don't know that I can read a map. I don't know that I can do the dead reckoning that I used to do in San Antonio years ago when I first came here in 1968 for Hemisphere. Oh my, how things have changed since then. Things that have grown and changed in the roads. Try and find your way from a 1968 worldview without GPS in today's world. When I first moved to Cibolo, Texas in 1999, there were 3,500 people who lived in Cibolo, Texas. That last count is between 35 and 40,000. Can you imagine how things have changed with regard to finding one's way? Significantly also is the change in finding one's way spiritually. Dramatic changes happen demographically with regard to mainline denominations and churches, those that are shrinking, those that are growing. How does one find one's way? I was born Lutheran. I didn't have a choice. My parents took me to church. My brothers decided they had a choice once. <laughs> it didn't go well. We all went because mom and dad said we were going. What a blessed non-choice it has been. 
focusing me in the theology of the cross and sharing in a community of faith that's nurtured me for what's getting to be nearly 70 years. How grateful I am, but how things change. Today's readings from Isaiah and Matthew are very much about finding one's way. How do you find your way? Isaiah 60 had a way. It was written probably about six centuries before the Common Era, before the birth of Jesus. About 580 B.C., Isaiah 60 was written to those persons who were in exile. And what's now Iraq? They were in exile when their temple was destroyed, when it was ransacked by Babylonians, Iraqis. And everything was destroyed, the the town was really razed, and they were sent off to a place where they were not familiar with people whom they did not grow up. Isaiah spoke to them in about 580 and said, return, return to Jerusalem. It's going to be great again. We're going to build a city. It's going to have an economy. But it was in shambles when they arrived. It was a word, Isaiah 60, the third Isaiah, for those who read through the Bible last year, we're going to start again. Isaiah 60, the third Isaiah, was written to people in despair, saying Jerusalem would rise again. It'll be great. Nations will come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your dawn. Jerusalem will become economically and politically strong. The wise men knew about Isaiah 60. Now, who are the wise men? The wise men, I I was not able to do my little art craft because I spilled all the glitter, but we tried to do some wise men, three of them, between the services today. Matthew doesn't say there were three, but gold, frankincense, and myrrh suggests three. What are wise men? Magoi is the Greek word that Matthew used. It really means probably an astrologer, someone who made a living by looking at the stars, by navigating physically and spiritually. What do the stars say? That's what the Magi did for a living. They even had some religion in there, priestly things they could do and divine through observation of the heavenly bodies. They read Isaiah 60. When they heard about a new king of the Jews, they thought, it must be in Jerusalem. We'll go to Jerusalem. Maybe the legend has it from the east. Persia, Iran. How timely. From Iran they came. And they wanted to find who is in charge here. It was Herod. They went to Herod or his household. And they sought to find out where is this child who has been born king of the Jews. Herod was king of the Jews, and someone has been born who's the new king of the Jews. I'm sure Herod was very interested in that. Who might that be? As I would be quite interested in who will the new part-time pastor be here at Christ Lutheran Church. I'd be very interested to know. So Herod explored among the chief priests and scribes, that is the biblical scholars of the time. He got them together, expecting to be here in Jerusalem. This is the big city. This is New York. This is Washington, D.C., or Paris, or London. This is the place. Surely the new king will be born here. But the chief priests, the scribes, the scholars didn't point to Isaiah 60. They pointed instead to another prophet. They said, Herod, respectfully, sir, you have the wrong text. And they preferred Micah in the fifth chapter, which reads, But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from, from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. That's Micah 5. That's what Herod went by. 
That was the proper direction. The prophet Micah's message to his time, quoted by the scholars, advising Herod about the birth of Messiah, king of the Jews, is a different language. It's a different direction. It's a different place. It's as different as New York City is from Karn City. Sorry. But it's very different. Bethlehem, nine miles away. I think they had missed their destination by divination by nine miles. I know the feeling. So the story of Epiphany is really a story of two human communities. It's the story of Jerusalem, which would rise again to political and military economic wealth. That was the dream. Surely the new king of the Jews will be born here. But Herod divines through his scholars. No, look at Micah. It's a different community. It is more like Karn City. And I think that leads us to two destinations for us spiritually. As you set your GPS and epiphany, and how will we follow the Lord in this season and all seasons? It's a different destination. I think we'll be more than nine miles off if we choose power, if we choose economic strength, if we choose political power over others. The second choice is a very different one than that. It's Bethlehem. Drastically different. The wise men amazed me. They didn't fall victim to that first identified location. But they went on nine miles in the other way. The destination that is the most inspired navigation leads us not to be the winner of the Ironman contest or the strongest or wealthiest person in Texas. Epiphany is the opportunity to let vulnerability in Micah 5 disrupt the self-congratulation of Isaiah 60. A lot of people look for Jesus in that first place. Jesus does not abide among power. Jesus does not abide in strength or threat or to lord it over another. But the message of Bethlehem, the message of Epiphany, is the direction, the positioning toward vulnerability, neighborliness, welcoming the stranger, hospitality to those who don't have a place. It is a future destination with spears turned to pruning hooks and swords to plowshares. In 1995, I had an epiphania. I had an epiphany experience, one that's changed my GPS for life. It came as a gift from my mother-in-law. It was a book, a book the reading of which I would commend to every person I care about. It's a simple little book called A Simple Path. The Simple Path is the story of the ministry of Mother Teresa. It originated with the intention of a Western journalist named John Cairns, who in 1993 initiated with the Missionaries of Charity an audience, a meeting with Mother Teresa. He wanted to write a book. Let me write about your ministry. She uh, refused. More words, she said. More books about me. You want to write a book? Write it about the Lord Jesus. Don't write a book about me. Will more words help anybody understand my simple path? He persisted. Persisted until 1994, 1995, until finally she relented. She said, okay, you can write your book. <laughs> Lucinda Vardy, a, a translator and editor, a book came into being that year, the story of the ministry of Mother Teresa. Born in Skopje in what is now Macedonia, in a humble place in Central Europe, 
a woman maybe grew to 4'10", 4'11", 90 pounds perhaps, established a movement of the missionaries for charity, missionaries of charity, that would bring ministry to persons who are at the end of their life, destitute persons in the poorest place she could imagine, and that's in India. So she went there by herself and established a ministry that became that worldwide community of women, the missionaries' charity. John Cairns followed her, wrote down everything he could that was of value, and every word in that book is a priceless guide to my own personal spiritual GPS. And he asked her, watching her ministry, he finally inquired of her. He said, Sister, the persons with whom you do ministry are destitute. They're not Christian. They're not Catholics. Most of them die while they're in your care. They don't convert and become Catholic. How do you know at the end of the day, at the end of the week, how will you know at the end of your life if you've been successful? And sister said to him, The Lord doesn't call us to be successful. The Lord calls us to be faithful. That was the epiphany in my life. The clearest spiritual GPS signal I ever received led me away from the glitz of Isaiah 60 to the humility of Micah 5, from the power and strength of academic credential or rank or wealth, instead to vulnerability neighborliness, welcoming those who have no place. The glowing, blinking, clearly audible signal of the gospel that blinks to me where I need to go, wherever I'm headed, leads to vulnerability, neighborliness, and welcome. The wise men were wise enough. Initially nine miles off, they were wise enough to perceive that destination. Let it be ours, for it leads to our forever home. Amen.